hello everyone and welcome to a brand new episode of History Creeps. I am one of your hosts. I am Johnny Towns and I am joined by my pals, my compadres in the spooky, uh, Christopher Chavez. What's up? And Carter Johnson. Howdy ho. <laughs> Howdy ho. Howdy ho. What's up, fellas? Oh, you know, another sick week for me. <laughs> yeah, Ugh. as you can probably tell, listening, Chris is again uh, sick with the head of the Colts. My God, our listeners are going to be like, what's wrong with this guy? This guy's like perpetually sick at all times. Like we've known each other for close to three or four years now. Yeah, and four. It's, yeah. you've never been like this before. <laughs> so, <laughs> no, man, I've been sick four times in the last three months and I'm not happy about it. Yeah, it's ridiculous. It's really ridiculous. What is it? So, and, let me ask you. Tell our listeners. Tell our listeners why you're sick. Oh, uh, just because there's morons at my at my office that don't know how to stay home when they're sick. I was going to ask you guys. Do you guys know, like for real, uh, any anything that could help boost my immune system, or even listeners, if you guys know real tricks or foods or things I should be doing to make sure that my immune system is gets stronger? Uh, I welcome any any and all advice uh, because I don't trust WebMD. Purposely get uh, chicken pox. <laughs> Yeah, WebMD will tell you you've got cancer when you put your symptoms in. Yeah, exactly. No, thank you. Uh, yeah, that's no, it for everything. There. It's, it's weird because I used to work for a pharmacy uh, for a, oh, almost 10 years. And I ne- people came in and sneezed in my face and handed me prescriptions and they were literally dying and I would never get anything. Uh, I stopped working for there and I started noticing I was getting sick easier. And man, I'm telling you, this year is just something else. It's insane. Hmm. Well, I, I hate I it for the, you, man. I saw this documentary show i think it was called south park and in one of those in one of the episodes uh their 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 kids had yet to get chicken pox and they knew that it's you know to get chicken pox as an adult is much worse so uh, they forced their kids to play with the kid yeah i remember that one. Uh, uh to get you know who had chicken pox so maybe you need to purposely play with these people i uh i have i've had my chicken pox though so i'm good but maybe it works with head colds i don't know <laughs> i'll do it Bring th- if you've got children and you live in this area and they have chicken pox. Too soon. Well, welcome to History Creeps, guys. <laughs> I mean, we're talking about creepers, right? That's true. I guess it fits that way. Yeah. Uh, but before we get into our, we dive into our main topic here, guys. Carter. I don't know what's happening over there. Somebody stapling something? I think he's stapling something to his playing hand. Playing with my pen. Oh, okay. Uh, Carter, while he's playing with his pen, has a couple of current creeps for us. I do indeed. Uh, I would have three, but I can't remember the other one. <laughs> and so now we only have two. I have a two-year-old, guys. I can't remember <laughs> shit anymore. Anyway. He's struggling over there to remember. I, I am. Uh, <laughs> anyway, so I got two good ones. Uh but I, I got well. I got one good one and one great one, and I call it great because it's going to make Johnny sick to his stomach, and that's Ooh. why sometimes I choose these things. And so we're going to start with uh, uh, Timothy Pitson. Uh, the three of us were messaging back and forth about this story when it first hit, and so I thought now that it has a nice little well, not nice, but a conclusion, uh, we should mention it on the show because we do missing people on here a lot. Uh, Timothy Pitson. Uh, was a six-year-old when he disappeared in 2011 after his mother was found dead in an Illinois motel room. And let's see. 
authorities found a guy in Kentucky who was claiming that he was Timothy Pitson and that he escaped uh, from two kidnappers who he described as white males. And now, as we discover, they have performed a DNA test on this guy, and he is unfortunately not Timothy Pitson. Did this guy not think that they'd want to do that? Well, not only that, but he's he's actually twenty three years old. Oh, so how would how would you not you know? And plus, they can they don't even need to DNA test him; just fingerprint him. Does he have uh? Does he have like a, a mental health issue? Uh, he was released from jail uh, a few weeks uh, before this incident after serving eighteen months. So. I'm gonna say probably so, because yeah, I can't I can't think of any other reason why somebody would do this. There was a documentary that came out not super duper long ago, but it's been a while now, uh, where this guy in France uh, claimed to be the son of this family. I think it was in Texas because their son went missing when he was young or whatever. So they mm-hmm. bring they bring the guy over. I wish I could remember the name of this documentary. It's so freaking great. It's got all kinds of twists and turns in it. So they bring him over, and despite the fact that he has a French accent uh, and all these signs that are saying that he's not the kid, it's obvious he's not their kid. They think they act like he's their kid, and yep. the big in the big twist. I don't. I'm going to go ahead and give it away. This is a giant spoiler alert for this documentary. I cannot remember the name <laughs> of. But the big twist in the story is uh, he found out while he was there. The, the guy who claimed to be the kid he was a notorious liar by the way like he lied all the time but he found out that the family knew they knew right away that he wasn't their kid and the more that he found out it seemed like the reason that they knew was because they knew for a fact that their original son was dead and you can draw your own conclusions to why they would know that's interesting lord yeah that's horrible dude that's kind of creepy bro it's very creepy because at first you're like you hate this guy right because it's so weird, and when you find out that he's really not who he say it, says he is, and then it, there's just more twists coming after that, and you're like, holy, wow. Here. Hmm. That's freaky, bro. Now I'm going to have to find that documentary. Yeah, if I can remember the name of it, I would help everybody out, but of course I can't. <laughs> we'll find it. Sounds it. like a catfish thing, dude. We'll find it. What's the other one, dude? What's the one that's going to make Johnny sick? Uh, Well, I'm going to start it Ooh. with the headline. Uh-oh. Uh, this is from the Washington Post. When he does something um, as dramatic as start a news story with a headline, dude, you know you're in for it. Oh, right. Right. <laughs> this is from uh, April 10th. So somewhat current creeps. Yeah. Uh, and this is the headline. She went to the hospital for an infection. Oh. The doctors found four bees living in her eye, eating her tears. What? Mm. That, how? What? That, 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 no. Okay. I want to hear this. Yeah, that's things. Right. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. All right. I'm just going to read uh, the article here. <clears throat> the 29-year-old woman had no idea why her eye was swollen shut. She was in unbearable pain and could not stop tearing up. The Taiwanese woman said she was confused about why an issue she thought was an infection kept getting worse. But when the woman received treatment at Fuyin University Hospital in Taiwan, Doctors didn't find a bacterial infection. While looking at the woman's eyes through a microscope, the hospital's head of ophthalmology witnessed something he hadn't seen before. Insect legs were wiggling from one of her eye sockets. What? Oh, 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 this is terrible. He yanked out a small bee 
known as a sweat bee, and it oh, was alive. Yeah. The doctor wasn't done. Soon he extracted a second sweat bee, and a third. And finally, a fourth bee was pulled from the woman's eyelid. Craving salt, the bees had been feeding off the woman's tears, the doctor said at a news conference last week, later describing the odd medical diagnosis as a world first. The insects had made a new home under the woman's eyelid. Oh, God. That is, until they were all removed alive. Did she not notice that they had flown in there? Was there no feeling of actual movement? Yeah. Here we go. So, many so how did how did sweat bees end up camping out in a woman's eye? The woman suspects it all started the previous day. She recounted at the news conference she was taking part in the King Ming Festival, also known as Tomb Sweeping Day. I was visiting and tidying a relative's grave with my family, the woman told reporters. I was squatting down and pulling out weeds. She said she felt something get in her eye. Thinking it was only dirt, she cleaned her eye out with water and did not rub her eyes much for the rest of the day. She didn't think much of it until her eyes began to swell up that night and she experienced a stinging pain that made her tear up. It would have been very likely for sweat bees to be around this woman at the time, the doctor told reporters, as they tend to nest near graves and in the mountains. At the hospital the following day, when the doctor discovered that the sweat bees were feasting on the woman's tears, the doctor was relieved that the woman, who wore contacts, had not rubbed her eyes excessively when the pain worsened. If she had, it could have worsened her inflamed cornea or potentially led to blindness. Uh, another doctor said, this is the first case of a beer wasp getting caught in part of a person's anatomy, as far as I know. Oh my god. This is awful. We've heard of urban legends about like spiders laying eggs and stuff or, or the earwig thing. Remember that old whatever TV show that was? But yep. bro, but bro, now it's a reality? Come on. I'm done. I'm checking out. No thanks. Wow. Yeah, I mean, uh, I couldn't even pain, imagine. It. The pain in her eyes was them repeatedly stinging her eyeball. Good God. <laughs> to get her to elicit the oh. tears. So she yes. was kind enough to give them a place to stay, and they repaid her by being a bunch of dicks. How Basically, could, yeah. Dude, I want to know, how could that be? So, <laughs> Four bees. Four bees. So, how, so I'm assuming we have sweat bees down here in old North Carolina. So yep. I'm assuming that they can sting multiple times and not die because, you know, some bees, once they sting, they're, they're done for. Yeah, these can sting multiple times. But apparently yeah. it's, it's, a very, it's very low on the pain threshold. Yeah. Yeah. Almost like a mosquito bite, basically. Still, that could not be fun. No, it wouldn't be very good. Nah. I mean, all the buzz that I've heard, it's not fun at all. Nah. <sighs> I'm trying to think of more and I can't. <laughs> has something to say about this. That's insane, dude. I'm No, thank you. I'm not happy about this story. This, <laughs> this made an urban legend a reality now. Do you know what I mean? That's like saying that 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 Slender Man is real all of a sudden. It's like, no thanks. I don't that doesn't need to be real. You know? These right. were things that terrified the shit out of us growing up as kids. These are the stories we heard in the in the class hallways or at sleepovers. And now it's a legit on the news thing. No thanks. Hey, yep. <sighs> yeah, that's that's very awful. It is. No thank you. She's lucky though, apparently. I mean, I'm glad there's a happy ending here. Yeah, it could have been worse. 
It could have. I don't know if I would have wanted to read it if it had a bad. Yeah. You know. You don't want to be on a down note. No. No. Today's topic's already going to be a super a super buzzkill down note. It's so disturbing. Yeah. Though it's fascinating, people are fascinated by the story, as is uh, uh, evident in all the sh- the shows and documentaries. But still, this topic today is going to be already kind of somewhere where you don't want to be. Yeah, this is a dark one, but it's also a biggie. Uh, this is uh, we're going to talk about Ted Bundy today, also known as Tedifer. Tedifer, that's right. <laughs> Old Tedifer. Uh, Tedifer, I'm trying here. Uh, of course. Uh, he, uh, I th- can't remember how many years it's been. It's been, there's, this is an anniversary mark for his, uh, execution was recently. So January. Uh, on Netflix, yeah. So on Netflix, they've, uh, just released, uh, just recently there was a uh, documentary series, uh, and they're also about to release a, a Hollywood film too. Yeah. All around Ted Bundy. So, uh, of course let's talk about some Bundy guys. Uh, Chris, I think you said you watched the documentary. I did. I watched. Uh, Aaron and I watched it together. You you said you had watched it and that it it, it was done really well. Uh, and I remember Ted Bundy. So here's the thing about Ted Bundy. Uh, I don't know why, but as a kid, I remember um, the Ted Bundy like the when he was executed. I remember that happening, um, and I remember like realizing like this guy was not a good guy. Uh, but I for some reason I always mistook him for Jeffrey Dahmer. You know what I mean? Like anytime anybody said yeah. something about Bundy, I always thought, oh, the dude that ate people. And it's and yeah. no, he didn't. Uh, but but what he did was still, you know, horrific and atrocious. Uh, but for some reason, I always kept thinking it was it, I always think of Jeffrey Dahmer when I thought of Bundy. So when I watched this, I was like, oh, I do kind of remember some of these stories. But man, I didn't know as much as I did uh, than what it showed me. You know what I mean? I, it was very yeah. um, revealing. I couldn't believe some of the stuff he got away with. And just I couldn't believe the whole story. It's insane. Yeah, there's so much that he was able to do. Uh, I mean, he literally was in jail three or four times and he would just keep escaping. Yeah. And uh, we and so. he lived. We lived. He lived during a time when like. Uh, there were no photos on some driver's licenses in during certain states. You would it was just literally typed information on on a a, a, a little card. So yeah. th- that was a day when you could get away with things a little more easier, uh, a little more easier, a little easier. Um, I like that. <laughs> but yeah, dude, that documentary is really good. If, if you guys have not seen it, what's it called the Bundy tapes or something like that? Is yeah, it's something like that. The gist of it is this guy was writing a book about Bundy. And Bundy would talk to him, so he recorded Bundy's conversations with him. Mm-hmm. So this is all—all all this is kind of coming from Bundy's point of view. Oh, but, Jesus. In be- but in between yeah. that, they're they're telling you stuff that really happened because he would lie, mm-hmm. obviously. Oh, it's called con- it's called Conversations with a Killer, the Ted Bundy tapes. There you go. Yeah, yeah, it's really good. Yeah, it's done very well. Uh, it does to me. It does a pretty decent job of not glorifying him. Right. It actually paints him as a manipulator because when this guy yeah. is talking to him, the guy's talking to Bundy with the intention of getting Bundy to tell his story. And for the longest time, as you watch this, you get the you get the idea that the guy, the Bundy's just playing with the guy. He doesn't want to tell him the story the right way, or he doesn't right. want to tell him what he wants to hear until this guy really figures out how to talk to somebody like Bundy. Yeah, and let's also get this other thing out of the way. No matter. Uh, what thing I've watched about Ted Bundy, all of them go out of their way 
mm-hmm. to tell you that this was one of the most handsome men in America. I think the point they're trying to make is that when you think of monsters or, or people who do these kinds of things, uh, in your mind, you think of somebody that kind of is turn, turn, would turn you off or looks messed up or looks already creepy. Uh, the thing that, that, that was so shocking with this, this was a good-looking guy who gained people's trust. He, he let, you know, that he was just this nice guy. So sure. Why I wouldn't I walk? I don't over? know if he was great looking though. I think at the most he was average and uh, I'm very open to a man being very handsome, but this guy <laughs> to me, I mean, he almost had a unibrow going on at one point. Maybe it's the, uh, it's the era. You know what I mean? Like each era. And, and in all fairness, there were a lot of women who were into him. Yeah. Uh, I mean, one of the, the, doc, the documentary we're talking about kind of goes into that a little bit. Yeah. But yeah, uh, but I always found it funny. I think it's to go along with what you're saying, Chris. I think a lot of it is, uh, if you see pictures of him, at the most he looks normal. And when we when you think of somebody who did those awful things, you don't think of somebody who looks like your neighbor down the street, right? You know, but isn't uh, but that always he, the story? Yeah, it always is. I didn't think he would do that. Right. So uh, literally, literally, the documentary, the A and E documentary I watched before recording this, uh, this woman wrote a book about Bundy because she worked with him at some kind of call center where they would help people out. And she would be in this house with just him. And she said, never once did she feel threatened. She always felt safe with Ted Bundy. Yeah. And I was like, what? <laughs> and, and the thing that's, that, that may, kind of blows your mind too, is because of that, it's like, what made him decide this person I'll kill this one. I won't, you know what I mean? Like it's, it's, it's a weird thing. Um, we'll, and, we'll, we'll kind of get into it as we go. Some yeah. people have some really good theories about that. Uh, I just uh, wanted to mention one thing. You were saying that they have a new movie coming out. Uh, did you see who's going to play Bundy in this new film? Yes, Zach Efron. Zach Efron. So they're, they're they're really going into the whole thing of the he was a good looking guy kind of thing. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yes, they definitely are. Because I'm sure. And I would like to state for the record that Ted Bundy makes me have two emotions. One is Uh-oh. the need to vomit. Yeah. Oh, okay. And the other is the need to stab him in the neck with a pencil, John Wick style. Oh, good lord. That got yes. real fast. Hey, pe- people like this really, uh, they, they, I, I'm not one of those people that's like, oh, serial killers, super cool. Oh, yeah. No, not no, cool at no, all. No, not, not cool they, at they, all. They, they creep me out and they make me, like, homicidal. <laughs> <laughs> they make you turn into a serial killer. They do. Yeah, a serial killer of serial, of killers, serial so killers. I guess I'm yeah. like Dexter. Yeah, you're de- we've got a real Dexter on our hands yeah. over there. Oh, right. <laughs> I hate that show. Anyway. <laughs> all right, let's go. <laughs> all right, so, uh, I figured I found a timeline about Ted Bundy. Uh, it's on thisinsider.com. There's, you can actually find a bunch of these little ones. Uh, but I figured we could kind of use this as a starting off point. Yeah. Kind of use it as we go along. Uh, Bundy was born in the on November 24th, 1946 in Vermont. It's often described that he had a pretty rough childhood. Uh, he never knew who his dad was. So he's born out of wedlock. Mm. Uh, his mom lived with her parents. So when he was growing up, he thought that his grandparents were his parents and that his mom was his sister. That's right. I remember that. Yeah. So that kind of messed him up a little bit because eventually, obviously he found out. And and that's true for a lot of people from that generation and maybe a couple even decades after because having kids out of wedlock was a no-no. So a lot of times grandparents would take the kid in with the mother living there and raise the kid in a different mentality that, you know what I mean? Like you have a father and mother at home type of thing when that's really not the case. Later on, the kid finds out his mom's his sister, his grandmother, his mother, whatever the case, you know what I mean? Yeah, and apparently the grandfather was very rough. 
uh, was very uh, abusive. So, you know, that's and a lot of these serial killers. You'll hear that, like, most of them did not have great childhoods. Yeah, that's how you make a serial killer. Yeah. Yeah, so that's a good uh, – it's good to know that. I mean, we're not – again, I am not trying to <laughs> make anybody sympathize with this monster. I'm just trying to give you an understanding of maybe why he went down the path he did. Uh, apparently, even when he was young, he had kind of some violent tendencies. I mean, one of the famous stories that I remember hearing is that at, at one point, his his aunt or aunt have well, – I'm in North Carolina, so I say his aunt uh, – was sleeping, and she woke up to see him uh, and he had like put some knives around her, and all the the points of the knives are pointing at her. Good lord! Yeah, and it really That's freaked creepy. her out. Yes, <laughs> and also in his neighborhood when he was young, a girl went missing, and they found her uh, murdered later, I believe. Mm-hmm. And of course, at the time, nobody thought he had done it. Mm-mm. So a lot of people think that he was the one who, you know, did was responsible for that. Did he ever confess to it? That's another thing about Ted Bondi. Uh, up until he was about to get executed, he didn't confess to anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, almost until the very end, he kept saying he was innocent until they were about to, you know, literally fry him. And he said, "Okay, yeah, you're right, I did it." Yep. All right, so here let's get into his first attack. His first attack is believed to be in January of 1974. I think it's also important to note here that um, to kind of get into what Chris was alluding to earlier. <clears throat> Uh, Bundy's a, a first real relationship with a woman. Uh, when she ended it, he was head over heels in love with her. Yeah. And when she ended it, it destroyed him basically because she pretty much told him that the reason that they were ending it was because this is when he was in college is because uh, he wasn't going to amount to anything. Like he, he was nothing basically. So that destroyed him emotionally. I mean, I think it would hurt anybody to be fair. Uh, you know, somebody you love sits there and tells you that. I mean, it's kind of hard to hear. Uh, so his first victim was 18-year-old Karen Sparks, who was a student at the University of Washington. He broke into her apartment and he sexually assaulted her and beat her. Uh, a lot of the women that he chose as his victims, they claimed that they had some resemblance to his uh, his girlfriend, the one that it broke up with him. And that's kind of part of it. I mean, even yeah. at one point on this A&E documentary I was watching, uh, like after she had broken up with him, he waited a little bit. And this is when he became like he got into politics and stuff and kind of raised his his uh, his self and put him in a better air, you know, area with his life. And when he did that, he went back to her and she fell in love with him again. And then he mm-hmm. broke up with her on purpose. He waited for her. To yeah. fall in love with because he just wanted to hurt her. That's were, all he wanted to do. Yeah, there was something they were talking about. Like she called him up, like after he he she would send him letters and try to call. He wouldn't answer. Answer. One day she finally called. He finally answered. She goes like, basically, what's going on? Why would you do this? And he's like, well, what do you mean? And he would and he just hung up on her, and that was it. <laughs> just that was it. Did it on purpose. Just didn't care. Yeah. What do you mean? Yeah. That, that's, that's, that's yeah. That that's. Maybe not psychopathic, but that's definitely sociopathic. That's all about power, though. You know, that's what it's about. And, and everything yeah. else that he continued to do thereafter is all about power and control. Yeah, I, he he also famously said when somebody asked him what it was like to kill somebody, he said basically when their life's going out of their, their eyes, it's like you're God. So, oh, God. I, it's all about possession for him. Uh, I mean, he's just a, a real piece of work. But uh, Karen Sparks, the first person that they 
they know for a fact that he assaulted. She actually did survive, but her brain damage was so bad that she had no memory of what actually happened to her. Yeah. Shit. Yeah. Was, let's get into it. Let's get into his first actual murder. Uh, I'm not. I don't want to go into severe details with these because yeah. uh, he was a sick man. Uh, you can go back and watch these documentaries, and they'll, they'll definitely tell you. I mean, yeah. to the point where after he would hide the bodies, he would go back to them, and you can draw your own conclusions why. Yeah, and he did. And he and a lot of the ways he killed these women were the same way, uh, which is just kind yeah. of you know that bludgeoning thing is disgusting. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Linda Ann Healy was his first confirmed murder, which is just about a month later after he assaulted another lady. Uh, she was a student at UW. He broke into her apartment and abducted her on February first. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was, she was one that he did confess to her murder later. Mm-hmm. Uh, and from the span of January to July in 1974, it's believed that he killed eight women in Seattle, at least that they know of. Yep. Uh, all of them abducted. Cause they always, it was always that they disappeared or vanished. No one knew where they went. Yes. They were all abducted. And he was smart enough not to do them too close to each other either. Mm-hmm. Uh, he would spread them out. So it would be in different jurisdictions and stuff for the police. Yep. Uh, he also studied. I mean, he was studying psychology in college, mm-hmm. and he would and he went in to study uh, police work and all that kind of stuff too. So he would know what the police would be looking for. He was a really smart man. I mean, I'll give him that much. He was very smart. Uh, so that's even more tragic in this to me is that this man who obviously was intelligent just wasted it because he was a monster dude when he when the years that the the murders started like when he started that he was the assistant director of the seattle crime prevention advisory commission and he he wrote a pamphlet for women on rape prevention yes what yes Uh, experts would later note that most of his victims seemed to be in their early 20s and a lot of them looked a lot like his ex-girlfriend. They would have long, dark hair parted in the middle. Yeah. Uh, he then moved to Salt Lake City to attend law school. And, of course, there he started killing more people. Uh, he murdered Nancy Wilcox, Melissa Smith, Laura Amy, and Debbie Kentz of four people between October and November of 74. During that time, uh, the same day she ki- he killed, uh, what was her name, Deborah Kent? Yes. Uh, apparently, this, during that same day, he had attempted to to kidnap a woman as well, uh, Carol yes. DeRunch, but she escaped and survived. She was one of the people that could say what she, he looked like. She was able to give a description of him. Yeah, and I think I think from hers where that famous sketch of him yes. kind of comes from. But yeah, that was on November 8th of 1974. She was in a shopping center when a man who identified himself as a police officer stopped her and said that her car, uh, somebody tried to break into her car. Yep. So she fell for it. She said that he was giving off some weird vibes anyway, but, you know, uh, she went with him to the parking lot to her car, and then he tried to say, hey, well, why don't you just get in my car with me and we'll go to the police station? Yep. That's kind of where that came from. He would do similar things to that. One of the other things he would famously do is that he would get crutches, and he would walk on crutches, Mm -hmm. and he would be, like, trying to load stuff into his car. And get people to help. And and get people to help him, and that's how he would abduct them. Um, Bundy claimed that the police were holding someone in a station and he needed uh, her to go with him. He then pulled over and handcuffed her and attempted to hit her with a crowbar, but she was lucky and she ran out of the car. Uh, She reported the kidnapping right away. And this is actually what led to his arrest in August of 1975. 
of course, as anybody knows who's even looked into the Ted Bundy story, this man uh, was arrested several times, and it didn't matter because he would keep escaping. Didn't care. Nope. Uh, apparently, he killed another lady in January of '75 mm. at an Aspen ski resort. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he killed additional women, women before being married. Now, I think the actual number uh, of people that he murdered is not the, the real number is not truly known. Mm-mm. And I think that's kind of true with most serial killers. Um, around the same time, Bundy actually had a longtime girlfriend at this time. Uh, and I think that's kind of what the Hollywood movie is going to be about is he uh, is he in his relationship with the, this other woman here. Uh, Bundy's his longtime girlfriend called the police and shared her suspicions about Bundy. Uh, at the Dude, time, can you imagine that, man? Oh yeah, Could you imagine if you realize it, like the slow realization that the person that you're with that you love is, is quite this, possibly a serial killer. Is this hideous piece of garbage? You know, uh, oh man, I couldn't imagine it. At uh, the time, news of the kidnappings and possible murders were making headlines, and his girlfriend Elizabeth Clover. Hopefully, I'm saying that right suggested his name to the police. And I think at one point they actually got Bundy's last name. This is when they were looking for him, but they didn't know it was Ted Bundy. They only got the word Bundy or no, or maybe it was the word Ted. It was one or the other. They got yeah. either his first or his last I name. It was Ted. Yeah. Yeah. Um, they brought her in for an interview, uh, an audio presented in conversations with the killer. It's at the Netflix documentary. Mm-hmm. He mentioned an incident about following a sorority girl. And when he was out late at night and he would follow people like that. So he would just be following girls all the time anyway. Weird. Yeah. Uh, It's uh, creepy. And one of the things that led to his girlfriend suspecting him is she at one point found a bag, a whole bag full of women's underwear, a bowl full of just house keys and a knife in his car. Dude. Yeah. That's no, insane. no, thanks. And, he, and she said, uh, she also said the night that Brenda ball disappeared, he'd been with me and my family and he left early in the evening. And the next day was late to my daughter's bad uh, baptism. And then he said, when he was, when the story was brought up about this woman went missing, he goes, that's pretty scary, isn't it? <laughs> Man. So messed up, dude. This guy was, he, he's a, he's a literal monster. Like this is a for real monster. Now, did he actually rape these women, or did he just murder them? Both. Um, yeah, both. He and, and, so and part ever, of his confession did they ever tie was that. Any just straight up rapes to him? I doubt it, dude. Knowing his knowing his mo, like, and especially when he, you know, it's what they say about serial killers and the profiles for these. If that's what they're doing, that's what they're doing. They're not just going to do it halfway and let the and let the person get away. Yeah. Well, no, I mean, I'm just curious if he started with rape, oh. and then escalated to rape and murder. Actually, one of the first things he did when he was a teenager was that he uh, was was doing like small crimes, petty crimes. He's breaking and entering and stealing yeah. stuff in people's houses, burglary stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, and apparently, when he was younger too, he was uh, he's always a really smart kid, but he wasn't like he was kind of socially awkward. Mm-hmm. So he was he felt isolated a lot, and he didn't have many friends and all this kind of stuff. Even though if you hear it, but from his story, his side of it, he was a popular kid. Uh, he yeah. was great at sports. Um, yes. Remember that? Like yeah. he was always making it yeah. like he was probably the greatest thing that ever walked the earth. He, he could he excel at anything. Put it in front of him and he yeah. was the best at it. Yeah. What was even more strange about him is even if 
like the original story, like what really happened was actually, you know, something you could brag about because at one point when he was in college, he was, you know, doing well in school and he was had some things he could legit brag about. He would just up whatever it was. Yeah. So like, it'd be like, yeah, I was the, you know, uh, I was the best football player on the team, even though he never even played football. Right. Like you could go and check that. Yeah. Uh, in August 1975, Bundy was pulled over by by the police and arrested. While driving through a suburb of Salt Lake City, he was pulled over uh, by the police in his car. They found the following items. Handcuffs, a rope, an ice pick. And then they arrested him because he matched the description of um, that lady's kidnapper. Mm-hmm. That's when they also got a warrant for his apartment. And they discovered more evidence. So on March 1st, 1976, he was convicted of the kidnapping of Durach. Uh, it was, it was actually, technically, it was aggravated kidnapping. He was sentenced to a, ma- a minimum of one year and a maximum of 15 years for the kidnapping. But because he was suspected in Campbell's murder, he was sent to Utah to stand trial in that case. And we're going to get to the first uh, jail, jail escape for him. On June 7th, 1977, Ted Bundy escaped from prison for the first time. Um, there's kind of a uh, really, this is another famous photo of him when he first escaped and the police put this picture out so people know what to look for. I Many looks really goofy in this picture here. <laughs> uh, while in a pretrial hearing, Bundy jumped two stories from one of the courtroom windows. He just yeah. jumped out the window and ran away. So if you listen to the, if you watch the documentary and you listen to him tell his side of it, he talks about how like, how he first of all he co- constantly thinks he's smarter than all the cops smarter oh, than oh, yes. everybody that nobody he's the person in the room nobody can think uh like he does so he talks about how he's standing in this hallway on the second floor and he's like these idiots don't realize there's a window right there and so he's looking at the window and kind of walking over to it and they're letting him walk over to it and kind of even hang out and look down to see how big that jump is and i mean like and he and the whole time he's telling you he's like these idiots these morons kind of thing. You know what I mean? But yeah, he, he says he just went for it. He saw the opening and ran and jumped. Yeah. Uh, and then he was gone for six days. They didn't find him for six days after that. Uh, one of the thing, I don't know if they mentioned it on the, on the tapes, uh, but one of the things I saw was that during this time that he'd escaped, uh, once again, he said that the police were idiots, that they had missed a whole collection of Polaroid photographs that he had kept of his victims. So when he had escaped, he went back to destroy those. Ooh. Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. No, bro. No. No. Mm-mm. Yes, sir. Mm-mm. So when they were they so, hidden in his apartment somewhere? Um, like did, sh- did he have like a, a? Yeah, it had to have been his apartment. Yeah. Because they they went all through his car. So yeah. Um, I mean, what are we talking about? Like a loose floorboard, or like behind a picture, or something on the wall, like. I don't know. I don't think. I don't know. I feel, I feel like when the police search places like that, they they generally rip it apart. You know. You would think, oh, and so. also don't put it. Uh, you know, don't put it past him that he just made that up too. Exactly. Exactly. That's, that's true too. That's I the other because that. if he puts too. that in the narrative, then that that continues to support the fact that he's smarter than than uh, yeah. than the police. He's always a step ahead, yeah. no matter what. <clears throat> so when he's captured again, six days later. Uh, five new charges were filed against him on June 16th, 1977. Um, four felony charges, two accounts of escape, and one count each of burglary and auto theft, and a, and a misdemeanor count of theft. Uh, convention, 
conviction on all of the escape-related charges that Bundy faced would get him 90 years in prison and over $130,000 in fines. Wow. So, uh, of course, that's the end of the story, right, guys? I mean, there's no more to that. Yeah, of course not. Oh, and then December 30th, 1977 happened, and he got out of jail again. He just escaped again. What did he do this time? Uh, after reports from other inmates, apparently other inmates even said, this guy's yeah. planning on escaping. You need to watch him. Uh, he escaped jail. Uh, prison guards had planned to hire a welder to install extra bars in Bundy's cell, uh, but the welder never got around to it yet. <laughs> that welder lost his job, I guarantee it. Easily. You would think so, yeah. And so this is how he got away. He removed the light fixture, slid through a 12-inch hole. He he refused to eat there for a while, so he would lose some weight. He got even. He was never like he was a big guy. Yeah. But he made himself even smaller so he could get through his 12-inch hole. He crawled through the ceiling and dropped down in a different location and just walked out of the jail. Yep. He just walked out. And that's when he made his way to Tallahassee, Tennessee. Uh-huh. This is for the second. This is kind of like for chapter well he says he went to chicago first and from chicago he went down to florida yeah he was all over the country really literally he goes from washington state down to florida from one end to the other and this is a guy that was convicted uh and and had you know um it was was getting ready to go to was how well he was already in jail right but he's been arrested a few times escaped a few times he gets he gets out right uh he, he escapes walks away like it's nothing ends up stealing a car Car breaks down. Uh, a motorist pulls over and gives him a ride. He takes a ride, and then he ends up catching a bus to Denver, where he boards a flight to Chicago. So this guy was able to buy a plane. And you're talking in the '70s, though. That's the thing, right? Like that can't happen anymore nowadays. Yeah, no, not like that. Yeah, he he literally just nonchalantly went through places, and it also helps again to talk about that he just looked like a normal person. Yeah. They said from Chicago, he jumped on a train. Remember, he went through Michigan, uh, and then and they ended up getting stealing a car to go down to Georgia and then over into yeah. Florida. And he also, during this time, was growing his beard out and all this kind of stuff, too, yeah. to kind of help change his appearance. Mm-hmm. Uh, so January 15th, 1978, uh, that's where we're going to move to here. This is kind of the next time where he attacks some, some poor women here. Yeah. Uh, at Florida State University at the Chi Omega Sorority House. Uh, he had been living in an apartment near the university under a, a, a different name, Chris Hagen. That was his name he was using. He broke into the Omega, the Omega's house, sorority house, while members were asleep and beat repeatedly and strangled two of the women. Uh, Margaret Bowman and Lisa Levy to death. He killed them and then beat Karen Chandler and Kathy Kleiner, but they were, were lucky and survived. In addition to the women in the in the Omega House, Bundy also attacked Cheryl Ann Thomas in her home that same night, just a blo- a few blocks away. He broke her jaw and severed a nerve ending near her ear. Um, oh God! Yeah. So Ted Bundy murdered twelve-year-old Kimberly Leach on February 9th, nineteen seventy-eight. That was by far the youngest of his victims, I believe, that they know of. Because most of the <sighs> most of his victims were in their early twenties, were college age. Yeah. Uh, he abducted Leach near her junior high school. Her body was found later, and it was just awful. I don't even want to read it. Uh, experts noted that this killing broke his pattern of slaying, since Lee is the only known underage victim of his. Mm-hmm. Uh, then he was arrested just a week later after that. When did, they he say, again, did he ever say why? The, why he abducted a girl so young? I don't know. That is breaking his pattern. 
I mean, it really is. I don't, I don't know. I don't know if you, I never heard a reason. Yeah, it didn't say in the tapes either. But before he adopted her, apparently there was an incident where he had approached a 14-year-old girl but didn't realize this girl was uh, the police department's chief, uh, the chief of detectives, his daughter. Um, and he started to approach her, but I guess the older brother started coming over, so he just turned around and walked away. Wow. And it went for That's the 12-year-old, yeah. Yeah, guess, guess how the police caught him this time. Just by the same way they called him the first time, uh, he was in a stolen vehicle when he got pulled over. Mm-hmm. Uh, so let's go to the trial. This trial is pretty famous now. June of 1979, he went to the trial. He went on trial for the murders of the sorority house. And what's even more famous about this, of course, is since Ted Bundy is the smartest person in the room, who else could ad- adequately defend him but himself, right? Exactly. That's right. He said he was going to defend himself because he's smarter than the lawyers. Yeah. Uh, so he insisted on acting as his own attorney, and he would even cross-examine witnesses during his trial. Could you imagine being a poor victim of his and you had to answer questions from him? And the thing, if you watch this documentary, the thing he would ask them would be to, to describe in extreme detail everything yes. that happened. It was creepy. He wanted them to tell him what he did to them so he could relive it. This guy's a legit monster. Yeah, Yeah, legit. There's nothing redeeming about him at all. You can stab him in the neck, Carter. You're fine. Yeah. That's that's just fucking awful. I'm sorry, but... Yeah. Uh, He, uh, of course, he was found guilty of murder and was sentenced to death by electric chair. Uh, He also, at one point, and I always found this always blew me away. At one point, the judge famously said uh, something to the fact that it was sad that Bundy did what he did because he would have loved to have him as a lawyer in his courtroom one day. Yeah, because he was he I mean, he was good, uh, but he he just he was just one of those guys that really charmed people and showed how intelligent he was. So people it was like people's brains. It wasn't working. Their brains were breaking. You know what I mean? Their brains were telling them that, that this guy is an evil guy. But what they're seeing with their eyes and what they see coming from him, it's like, how can this guy do that stuff? Yeah. And this is also when the documentary shows uh, all these women who are like kind of I don't want to say they were falling in love with him but they were definitely romanticizing him. Oh god. Yep. Yeah. 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 Uh, so he had a second trial for the murder of the 12-year-old girl and he was found guilty once again uh, and he was sentenced to death for that one. So that's two death sentences. Uh, and the, during all this time his mom never wanted to believe that he had done this. And you can't, I mean, why would you want to believe that about your son? Yeah. So I get that. But, uh, like it wasn't until he was on death row that he officially, you know, he, he told her, he said, yeah, mom, I did these things. So, uh, during the 1980 leech trial, Bundy got married to Carol Ann Boone. Uh, so she's kind of part of this documentary too. You get to see her quite a bit. Yeah. She was a Washington state DES like work. Like he worked with her. Washington State, so she was brought in as a character witness. So when he was questioning her, she was supposed to be telling, you know, oh, he was a great guy. There was nothing wrong with this guy. And he literally asked her to marry him while he was she was on the stand during the questioning. Yeah, what so, the hell, man. So yeah, that did, dude. So that did two things. That did two things. One, it was very dramatic, and it would make for a good story. And it, you know, and that's what he wants. And and for two. Uh, they were told originally that they couldn't get married, and this was a legal loophole. Yeah. In Florida, it's an obscure thing. It's such a tiny, weird law that if you're in a courtroom and a judge is present, 
All you have to do is declare that you are married to somebody and it's a legal marriage. Yeah. What the hell? Yeah. And, she, and the other person just has to confirm it and you're married. Yep. So, so that's what happened and that's how they got married. Uh, the law so this guy, this guy's like a terrorist. I was gonna say this guy like he's, is. He, he's like he's like doing half of this stuff just to get friggin' attention. Yeah, he's a little 100%. attention whore. Yeah, a hundred percent. Yeah, a hundred percent. Yeah. Uh, the law declared that a public declaration in an open courtroom in the presence of court officers would make the ceremony yeah. legal. So they were legally married then, and then he even had a daughter in 1981. Boone gave birth to Bundy's daughter. Uh, he became a father on death row to a girl Jesus. named Rose. Yeah. I would change my friggin' name. And so conjugal visits weren't allowed at the prison he was in, but he said it was really easy to kind of get around that and break the rules. Oh my God. You don't get to get laid anymore, dude. Hmm. Yeah, he did. Does anybody else remember Con Air? When he's like, yes. uh, oh yeah, we're show- t- tonight's movie is... Uh, uh, I'll never make love to a woman on the beach again. Yeah, it's right. preceded by the award-winning short "No More Steak for Me." Basically, ever. yeah. That's how yeah. it's supposed to be, dude. You don't get to. No. Mm. <laughs> You're making me want to dig him up and pee on him, dude. <laughs> Old Sparky took care of him, man. Yeah, and he doesn't even deserve your urine, if you ask me. No. Uh, so this marriage only lasted to 1986. They would get divorced then. Uh, how do they do that? I guess they go into a courtroom and be like, we're yeah. divorced. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> uh, apparently at that time they had, uh, she had two children, one with money, one from a previous marriage and they kind of moved away. Uh, so let's get to the, uh, in 1989, January 24th, he was executed by electric chair at seven Oh six AM at Florida state prison in Stark, Florida. And this was a major hoopla. You know, I mean, if you look at the documentary, there were people outside of the prison. There were tons of them there, and a lot of them were even selling T-shirts. Yeah, it's crazy. Uh, I mean, it was a circus. Yep, it was a circus, and a lot of them were uh, like the college kids, and they were sitting there just drinking. Yeah. You know, uh, and the news was out there. Tailgate, basically, what it was. Tailgate, yeah, cheering it on. It. Couldn't wait for this guy to get killed. I wanted to point something out before he he was put to death. Did you know uh, that during the time while he's on death row was when these these recordings took place? And when I said that this uh, the guy who had recorded these stories with him got him to finally tell his story, the way he got him to tell his story was he got him to speak in the third person. Ted Bundy started saying, "Well." If there had been, so, he's like, if I was in the mind of somebody that did this, I think he would have done this. And then he literally laid out all the things he had ever done. Um, yes. Also, in 1984, before his execution, he had almost escaped again. So guards at the at the at the prison had found that two hacksaws were hidden in his cell, and a steel bar on one of his windows had already been sawed completely through at the top and bottom, and glued black back into place with homemade soap. So they had to move him uh, into another cell. A few months later, they found an unauthorized mirror hidden in his cell, and he had to be moved again. Like, you couldn't trust this. Like, you would almost have to tape this guy down every day just so he wasn't doing this stuff. Seriously? Yeah. Uh, There was also another incident that happened where he had been attacked by a group of uh, death row inmates. He denied it happened, but they all confessed to it, uh, what would generally be known as a gang rape. Okay. Well, all right. There's yeah, some justice in the world. It's getting yeah, a little there. bit. It's getting yeah. there. Uh, it's speculated that he may have killed over 100 women, but uh, 
the number that he confessed to was 36. Yeah. So that seems low. Yeah. It probably was way more than that. Cause he didn't even, I mean, it, like I said earlier, he didn't confess to those until near the very end. I mean, right. he kept was just saying, yeah, I'm innocent. I'm innocent when everybody knew he wasn't right. So, yeah. Uh, but that was Ted Bundy, the monster himself. Yeah. Uh, legit monster. Like when you look at this, he, he's one of those cases because of the way he carried himself because of, uh, of just all of these things that just make you go this, what, this doesn't make sense. He became one of those classic cases where profilers and, and, and pathologists literally studied him. Like, I think they said something about what, didn't they want to do something about, they didn't want him electrocuted because they wanted to have access to his brain or something. Yeah, something like that. It was they wanted to study him somehow. Yeah, it was it was it's he's definitely one of these people where you're just like what was it? And then how do you carry yourself? Like I said, he carried he killed he said he killed this many people. Now these are the instances when these happen, right? Every other minute and second of the day, he's going to the grocery store and he's picking milk up and he's putting it in his car and he's smiling at you as you walk by or you know, he's at the gas station pumping gas. He's sitting on his toilet taking a shit like he's a normal guy. Do you know what I'm saying? Like he's a guy. He's, yeah. he's just going about his life. It's like, what is it that makes you be a normal person and, and continue to live a life where you can, you can, you know, walk in your front door, you know, throw your keys on the counter and have a seat, maybe have a beer, whatever the case is. But then in the next instant, be breaking into a girl's room, bludging the hell out of her and, and taking the body away. What, what is that? You know, he's one of those, he's almost, I think he's one of the first, right? That they started really, it was, it was one of these things where it's like, let's figure this out. He was one of the, he's one of the, obviously there've been serial killers before him, but yeah, he was one of the first, like really famous ones to kind of come around in a, in a long time. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you gotta you gotta remember during this kind of same era a little bit. I mean, uh, Gacy was kind of near here. Dahmer wasn't too far from there. Uh, so this was kind of the quote unquote heyday of serial killers between the seventies, eighties, and nineties here. Yeah, seriously, scary times, scary times. And I I can't remember what the number is, but there's a study that went out that there are always at any given time so many active serial killers in the United States. Oof. I can't remember what the number is. But, yeah. Uh, so you were saying there was a, a, what, a little over 30, right? That they're tra- uh, they tried to say, because uh, one of the things I was seeing here, when he, when he reviewed all his cal right the night before he was, the, uh, he, he was executed, he reviewed like the victim tally with this guy on a state for state basis. The guy who was writing the book, there was 11 in Washington, eight in Utah, three in Colorado, three in Florida, two in Oregon, two in Idaho, and one in California. And a lot of those, though, have not been identified. They're just hearsay. He says he did. Uh, but the, for sure, there was 20 that were that were identified and five that were survivors. Yeah, and it's also, it just depends on the serial killer, but some will up their numbers from what they really are. Yeah. And some will do the opposite. So it's just, I mean, it's and they're all, almost all of them are, are pathological liars. Wow. And... They love to tell tales, and he was and Bundy was very good at that. So who knows the actual number? The number of active serial killers in the United States is thirty. There you go. This is no- horrible, dude. This guy is horrible. Hey, they just caught that one not too long ago here in North Carolina. So there's one that's out of the way. One less, right? Oh, I'm I'm looking at the map right now, bro. There's like uh, 
Wait, they're on the map? Then go get yeah, them. Yeah, there's a ma- there's a map here. Active serial killers are roaming the U.S. Google how many serial killers are in the U.S. I don't want to know. I'd rather be ignorant. Oh, uh, there's a there's like six dots in North Carolina, dude. Oh, that's nice. There, most of them are clustered on the on the eastern side of the country. As in active? Yes. Oh wow. That's even that's even more chilling. Yeah. No thanks. <laughs> I thought I had so a pro- I, I thought I had a problem with those snap. bees. This is a little worse. Yeah, this is way worse, man. Uh, I'd, not that I would want bees in my eyes. I wouldn't no. want that either. But man, I, I don't know. I, I think I'd rather have the bees in my eyes. You know. Yeah, I think I'd uh, almost rather have the bees. I gotta I gotta watch like a cartoon or something now, guys. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's, a, cleanse my palate. it's definitely a dark topic and uh, we're not about romanticizing this guy at all. This guy was a complete monster, a complete piece of shit. 100%. And, uh, yeah, I, yeah, it's just, that's my final thoughts on it. <laughs> oh, it's total scumbaggery, man. The guy's a solid gold psychopath. Jeez. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. For but sure. there you go. Listeners, uh, as, as you know, fans of the creepy, the creepers, this is unfortunately one of the realities of our history is, is, you know, monsters like this guy and he did exist. And, um, uh, Unfortunately, and it's sad to say, you know, what he did was kind of set a standard for others to want to try to follow or surpass. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's one of the sad things about fame is when somebody gets their five minutes, somebody else is like, well, I can do that and get my five minutes. Exactly. Type of deal. So there you go. You guys have anything else to say on Tedifer? No, I'm all Tedifered out. Yeah, I'd say I'm 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 pretty sick of Tedifer at this current moment. Yeah, all right, Chris. But I do I do want to point this out. Yeah, a couple of years ago, I watched a, a found footage movie called The Poughkeepsie Tapes. Have you guys heard of this? No, I've I've heard that name for sure. It's about a serial killer who tapes his tapes his victims, and and now that Johnny has laid all this out, I didn't realize how much they took from from Ted Bundy to to make this you know fictional serial killer in this movie. Uh, but everything Johnny was saying, I was like, wow, that's that's like what happened in Poughkeepsie tapes. That's like what happened in Poughkeepsie tapes. So thank you for clearing that up. Johnny. There you go. You're welcome. You're welcome. And don't ever watch that movie, Johnny. <laughs> I don't want to. You already talked me out of it. <laughs> yeah, go go watch uh, Transformers the movie. Um, that's it, guys. Creepers, thanks so much for listening. Uh, I'm sure you have to go take a shower or watch some cartoons yourself. So for Johnny Townsend, for Carter Johnson, this is Chris Chavez. As always, shut off the lights, lock the door on your way out of the clubhouse, and as always, stay creepy.